by hearing. In another word, Lord, I pray that you anoint every ear to hear your word and every eye to see. Father, cause the spirit of boldness, spirit of victory to take over our hearts today as we look into your word. Holy Spirit, thank you because you think through me, you speak through me. Father, thank you, Lord, because your name will be glorified and we'll be blessed as we look at your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be with you guys this evening. Uh, the Lord gave me a message. I was, you know, I, I always believe in um, there's a difference between a message and just a word, a preaching. A preaching, you can get your notes and preach, but when it's a message, it's something that God gives directly. And I believe that what I have tonight is a message that will be a blessing to you. Do me a favor right now, okay? Invite somebody else to join. Amen. Do me a favor. Just right now, invite somebody. Take the link that you have and just drop it for somebody. Send us a text to somebody. Okay, invite somebody on WhatsApp. Invite somebody. Share it on your platforms, on your social media platforms. Share it on your Facebook. I, I should have shared mine on Facebook so that we other people can join from here. Um, oh boy, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't know if I can do that now. Uh, but do that. I mean, share it on your platforms. Let bring somebody else in. Amen. Just make sure let's do that. Find a place to sell good food. No, we do that. Or find a good deal on clothes, ladies. Somewhere they sell nice wigs, nice clothes, nice makeup kits and stuff for a good price. You, you share with somebody else. And when you find good word, make sure you share it. Every time you come on Kingsville on, on the Wednesday night Bible study, bring somebody else on. Amen. Make sure you do that. Amen. That's that's that way we're we're also preaching the gospel by sharing this message through social media. Anyway, today, like I said, God gave me a word for you, uh, for all of us, and the word is cultivating a victorious attitude cultivating a victorious attitude. There are certain things that stand out when I think of what cultivate. I, by the grace of God, I went to school, have a bachelor's degree in agriculture. So the idea of cultivating and planting and all that is something I'm familiar with by virtue of study in college, okay? And, and to cultivate is a process. To cultivate means you plant a seed and then you water the seed, you prune, you weed, you do different things to allow it to grow until it starts producing fruit and then other seeds, and then you now replicate the process all over again. Okay? And the, you want mangoes. To get mango, you have to have mango seed, which you plant, and then you cultivate, and you water, and you weed, and you keep away certain things, so that way you can ultimately have a good mango crop. Okay? And that's very important. So let's keep that in mind. Cultivate it. But you have the seed already. But that seed in your hand is of no benefit to you, cannot produce the fruit you desire unless you cultivate it. Unless you take the seed in your hand and cultivate it, it's of no, it's of no, I mean, it's only beneficial in your hand, but it's not going to be able to give you what you need. We can't eat a mango seed, but you can eat mango fruit. But you have to plant it first of all. So when we're talking about cultivating anything, we're talking about being able to work a process that produces a desired result. Now, the other two words that are there is the word winning. And the word attitude. What does it mean to win? To win means to start something. Okay, at the beginning, you don't know the outcome, but as you pursue that thing, you get to a point where you start winning. Okay, where you start winning. Okay, so winning means that I'm succeeding. It means that I'm accomplishing things that I desire to, I desire. That's what it means to win. Okay, an attitude. Now, this one, I want to read this to you. An attitude is one's disposition towards something or someone one's disposition towards something or someone. Or another way to look at it is this disposition, an attitude, sorry, is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically 
one that is reflected in a person's behavior. Let me read the second one again. An attitude is a subtle way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that's reflected in a person's attitude. So a person's behavior, sorry. So an attitude is something that starts from the inside, but then it becomes expressed on the outside. Okay, based on how I feel about you, about something, and then my attitude, my 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 behavior towards it this shows my attitude, my disposition. Okay, so we're talking about cultivating winning attitude. We're talking about being able to have from within an attitude of winning, from within a mindset of winning, from within having a mindset of winning that is reflected in how you live. That might start from myself on inside, and then it's reflected how you approach life and how you approach people. And that's that's very important. Now, I don't know about you. If you've been born again for a while, you've been told before that everything once you got born again, everything is fine. Everything's gonna be okay. Okay. Many of us were told, I'll say those lies. <laughs> Let me call it that. That religious lie many years ago. And when you get born again, everything is gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be okay. Okay, so many of us in, in, in cultivating that, many of us have, if I'll say, uh, been felt that. One second, my my first body. Sorry about that. So many of us in, in in having that mindset, many of us when we came into Christ, we were expecting that everything's going to be okay. We we're expecting there be no problems. We we're expecting that from now on everything is fine. Okay, and and then here's what happens. Unfortunately. You begin to find that, oh my goodness, this thing is happening, that is happening, this is happening. Then people now say it's because you are born again. I'm gonna I'm gonna bust some really some bubbles in your mind today. First of all, let me say this that the problems that we go through in life are not primarily because we're saved. Okay? Are there problems that we have because we're saved? Yes. But problems we go through in life are not primarily because we're saved. Okay, let's let's go back in time so we can understand. If you look at Genesis chapter one. God said about Adam, let's make man in our image and after our likeness from verse 26. Genesis 1 from verse 26. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fire of the air, over everything that creeped upon the earth. And then God made man. So image, image of God created he, him, made a food created he, And then God blessed them. So you see that from the very beginning, God made us like himself. God made man. The word man there is Adam. That means every human being was made in the image of God. Every single human being. So God from the beginning made us like himself to dominate. In fact, let's go back there. Let's go to the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26. I know you know the scripture, but I want to look at it so we can kind of, uh, we, can, we, can, we can build a trail around this, around this truth. Genesis 1 from verse 26. Let's look at it together. Look at it here. God said, let's make man in our image. Let's make man. That man, the word there is Adam. In our image after our likeness and let them that then there is mankind humanity male and female okay let them have dominion over the fish of the sea so god's intention from the very beginning was that man the man was created a winner from the very beginning god said man i make you to dominate i make you to win i make you to succeed that's god's original intention for man okay we know that and of course we know in chapter three of genesis when adam and Eve sinned, man went from being a winner to being a loser Man went from enjoying God's presence, okay, to now being chased away from the Garden of Eden. Man went from enjoying the voice of God to running from the voice of God. Man went from enjoying, you know, gold and delium and all those things and the beautiful horticulture of the Garden of Eden to thorns and thistles. 
man went from having food abundance of what of, that was good for food and all that you know beautiful to see all those the trees to man having to sweat by by his brow to eat bread so man went from being a winner to being a loser and again let's go back if we go back a little bit in, in scripture just chapter one from verse one in the beginning god created heavens and the earth and the earth became without form and void that is upon the face of the deeps okay now look at it chapter one just chapter one verse one in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void that is upon the face of the deep spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters when you look at this verse on the verse two and even over and over again i need to say it again verse one was the beginning verse two was there was a time lapse something happened in verse two that made things different and made things change how do i know look at verse 31 of chapter one genesis 1 31 he said and god saw that everything he had made and god saw that everything he had made and built it was very good so that means that when god creates it's very good so chapter one of verse one chapter one verse one when god created the heavens and the earth it was what very good but verse two says without form and void that means something went wrong between chapter one and chapter sorry verse one and verse two and chapter one and that was satan the fall of lucifer which is a different conversation now so satan became jealous of man when god made man and put man in the garden of eden satan was extremely jealous extremely jealous and therefore satan also while god had a good plan for man Satan had a plot to take over take over now if you notice the scripture here again just one verse one it says god created the heavens and the earth notice the word the earth i want to keep that word in your mind so put that word in your pocket somewhere the earth Okay, God made a physical heaven and a physical earth. Okay, so put that pocket, that earth in your in your in your in your pocket, that word earth. Okay, so but Satan became very jealous, and in that jealousy, he concocted the plan. And the plan was to come into the garden, okay, through one of the animals, and Adam unfortunately did not take responsibility, and Satan was able to create the wreck that he created. And then Satan became what the Bible calls the God of this world. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We're talking about how to cultivate a winning attitude. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Let's look at There's a phrase here that I want you to see. There's a phrase that we really want to, I want you to kind of wrap your minds around. It says, um, let me start from verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Who is lost? Remember, Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they were lost. So anybody who comes through Adam's generation is in that category which was all of us before christ okay it says a lost in whom the god of this world now notice that word there it's a word that's created that's, that's brought in now have blinded the minds of them who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the image of god should shine unto them now notice in verse 4 there it says the god of this world it not said the god of the earth notice that it is said god of the earth so the god of this world now remember what we saw in Genesis chapter 1, God made the heavens and the earth. The earth became without form and void. The earth, the earth is the physical structure. The earth is a physical structure. That's where the Garden of Eden was part of the earth. Okay, part of the earth. When God recreated things in chapter 1, God said, let there be light, let there be this, light. God recreated the earth. He recreated the earth, okay? And God, particularly, God recreated the earth. A particular portion of the earth was recreated called the Garden of Eden. That place had gold had silver, had all the great things, had all the beautiful stuff. That's the earth. Okay, that's the earth. Remember, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth, the earth, 
The world now is different from the earth. The word for world is a word in the Greek called cosmos. The word cosmos means arrangement, means organization, means management. Okay, that's what it means. It means arrangement, organization, management. So while the earth is the laws of fullness of the material earth, the arrangement around the earth, the world, the system that runs the earth is now in the hands of Satan. Now, how, do, how did that happen? We know that. Genesis chapter, chapter 3, when Satan came in through the, through the, uh, through the snake and Adam and Eve listened to him, Jesus said, whoever voice you listen to, that person becomes your God, becomes one that controls you. So when Adam and Eve did not listen to the voice of God, God said, don't eat of that fruit, but they said they listened to Satan. Satan became their God. Satan became their master. Satan became now the one who was now running things. Don't forget what God told them. God said, dominate the earth. God said, take care of the earth. God said, you are going to win over the earth. But now when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they literally gave the authority to run the earth to Satan. They literally gave the right to run the earth, to run things on the earth to Satan. So Satan became the God of this world. Amen? Satan became God of this world. While the earth belongs to God and belongs to man still, how do I know? Look at Psalm 115 verse 16. Psalm 115 verse 16. I'm going somewhere. Just keep tracking with me. Keep tracking with me. Psalm 115 verse 16. And please, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, write it down. You're going to shoot it at some point. It's Bible study. If you have questions, I'm going to stop at a certain time. I'm allowed to allow your questions. Psalm 115 verse 16. It says that the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, notice that, hath he given to the children of men. It didn't say given to the church or given to Israel, to children of men. So the earth has been given to men. So the earth, the material earth has been given to men. The earth, the Lord, the heavens, and of course the earth is God's, you know, but God has given the earth to man. But to run the earth, to manage the earth, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, Satan now took over. And that's where all the problems in the world began. That's where everything, all the animals were supposed to be, you know, pleasurable to Adam became, you know, hurtful to Adam. The fungi, the bacteria, the viruses, you know, the lions, the tigers, the rats, the, all those things now became enemies to man. Because why? Because Satan was not the God of this world. And Satan, his name is devil, remove the D is evil. <laughs> so Satan wants to run things against man. Remember what I told you before? Very jealous very jealous of man being made in the image of God, man being made to dominate, being made to win right from the beginning, has the nature of God. And Satan never experienced that. So that jealousy, that anger, all of that was was repressed. So when Satan attacks humanity, when Satan comes with hurricanes and with all that, it's not just because he's coming at you because you're a Christian or coming at you because you're Christians. He's coming at humanity out of jealousy, out of anger, out of resentment and all that kind of stuff. Now, these guys have made the image of God. So he comes to try and destroy. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Okay? So Satan's agenda in any place is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he doesn't come at us primarily because we are Christians. He comes at us because we are humans. We are the image of God. Therefore, we are a target of his anger, his jealousy, his rage. Okay? Let's establish that. But also, he comes at us through other people because we are Christians, because we are people that serve God, okay, because we are promoting light 
And when light shines in darkness, it exposes darkness. Therefore, people who are performing darkness will be very upset at people who turn on the light because here you are, you're exposing them. And therefore, there's that, that war, as it were, to try and shut down Christians and shut down believers and cause things to work against people, okay, and against believers specifically because they are Christians. Satan also comes against us because we have been given the mandate to redeem the earth. We have been told to preach the gospel. We have been told that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, okay? So Satan sometimes will literally turn on the heat around you through people, through circumstances, through situations, just to discourage you, to cause you to not rise up in victory, to cause you not to be the salt of the earth, not to be the light of the world. Satan so wants to make you feel you are a woman, you are this, you're not tall enough, you're not beautiful enough, you're poor, you're whatever it is. All of that is designed to make you feel like you're a failure. But remember, we, remember what we saw earlier, that we were created to dominate. Of course, we know Jesus Christ now came when he came, he died and paid the price. Behold, the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world, the sin and the consequence of sin. The weight of sin is death, the consequence of sin. All the things that Adam and Eve, we, we, we came into, the failure we came into through Adam and Eve, Jesus Christ came and turned them around. Look at, look at what made to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 2 and 14. Glory to God. So we originally were created to, to be victorious, to succeed. But because of the fall, because of the fall, a new system was set in place. A new system, let me say, has been set in place. The Bible says the whole earth lies under the sway of the wicked one, under the sway, the influence of the wicked one, the whole world. So as long as you are here physically, let me say this before we look at the scripture, as long as you're here physically on planet earth, okay, the system is still being run by Satan. That will later be overthrown by Jesus. That will later be completely overthrown by Jesus okay, when it comes to rule millennially. But the system in the natural is run by Satan. It's run by Satan. Okay, The world is under the sway of the wicked one. The God of this world, the God of this world, look at this. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Well, let me start from verse, uh, yeah, verse 14 here. Let's see. It says then, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, which is the nature of sin, which is failure, Okay, Jesus himself partook part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Okay, and, and delivered them with through fear of bondage, where all their lifetime, through fear of death, sorry, where all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, if you look at verse, look at verse 14, the word destroy there means to render powerless. It means to render powerless. That's why it says that Jesus through death has destroyed the power of the enemy. He has destroyed the power of the enemy. He's rendered the powerless. Okay, but let, don't forget. Here's the here's the 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 the, the, the about it. While it's, he has been rendered powerless, we still live in this physical world. We still live in this physical world. As long as we're here, Satan has a right to try and come at us as humans, try and come at us as enemies, even though his power over us has been destroyed. The way someone describes it is this way: is this Satan is like a lion who has no teeth. A lion. Excuse me, who has no teeth can roar, but it can bite. But when you see the lion, lion looks strong, but it has no teeth. It can bite, but it can still roar. A lion has an imposing presence. Okay, I've been, I've gone to a zoo before, the lion was laying down, minding his own business, and I began to throw stones at the lion. The lion charged at the gate so hard and ferociously that I, I, I ran back 
even though it was in the cage, <laughs> I ran back. But because of that imposing presence and that roar, even though, yes, even though it's in the cage, Satan is like that. Satan has been, his power has been taken. Okay, he's in a cage as it were, but he can still roar. He can still try and impose. Okay, but as long as we're in this physical world, he has a right to be here and to try. He has to try. So the Bible tells us here, look at verse 15, deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes in the demonic. So what's the Bible saying here? The scripture is saying that when we get born again, we have now been delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 2 tells us, Colossians tells us simply, we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been taken out of Colossians 1, out of darkness from verse 12. We're now into the kingdom of his dear son. So we have been delivered. But let me say this to you now, that deliverance was spiritual. That deliverance was spiritual. First, I told you, you want to eat mango, you have a mango seed. You want to eat mango, you have a mango seed. Our victory, our deliverance from the power of the enemy, it's like a mango seed. But we want to experience deliverance on the outside. We want to experience freedom on the outside. We want to eat the mango. But what we have is a seed. That seed itself is powerful enough if we learn to cultivate it. If we learn to cultivate it. So as long as we live in this world, the Bible says the God of this world is by other people. And we deal with the people here. We are also here in this world. Okay, now let's look at the next scripture. This is a scripture that 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 uh, shows this in a very in a very clear way. I wanted to look at look at Ephesians chapter two. I'm going to read from verse one through four. Ephesians chapter two, from verse one through four. Ephesians two one through four. Our victory is first a spiritual victory. It's first spiritual, okay, and that spiritual victory can bear fruit in the natural if we cultivate the seed of it. As our victory is spiritual, it can bear fruit in the earth when we cultivate it. If we don't cultivate it, if we just assume, well, since um, you know Christ has died and victorious, everything's going to be okay. And then when things start going bad, you're going to be disappointed. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to deceive you. Now, let's start from Ephesians 2 from verse 1. I'm actually going to verse. Uh, uh, I'm actually going down, but I want you to look at this. Okay? Um, let me read quickly. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, it's made you alive again. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that walk, now walketh in the children's obedience, among whom we all had our lifestyle in time past and lost of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, and all that stuff. But look at verse 2. It says, in time past, we walk according to the course of this world. Notice what it says. It didn't say the course of the earth. The course of this world. Why? Satan is the God of this world. So before you are born again, you are subject to the arrangement, to the world. That's what we saw in Ephesians 2. He has delivered you from that. He has delivered you from that. But you are still physically here in the world. It's like, let me transcribe this. It's like the American ambassador in Nigeria. Okay. Nigerian ambassador, Nigerian, American ambassador in Nigeria eats American food, even though he's in Nigeria. Okay. He is in Nigeria. The, 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 the heat in Nigeria, the rain, all that affects him potentially. But America builds a system around him that he can enjoy a similitude of America in Nigeria. Now, if his stuff, supplies gets low, 
His American water gets low. His American food gets low. He has to do something to make them send it down. If he does not do anything, guess what? He has to drink pure water. <laughs> but because he does something, he sets a process in motion. That process now causes them to bring the supplies down, the symbol you and I. Okay? We've been delivered from the world. We've been delivered from the world. We've been delivered from the curse of Satan. We will transfer into the kingdom of his death. But we need to cultivate something. We need to activate a system. Activate a system. And that system, when we activate that system, guess what? We can now begin to enjoy the we can begin to enjoy heaven on earth. Remember, Jesus told us in Lord's Prayer. He said, As it is in heaven. So let it be on earth. That's God's intention. So the Bible tells us here, what this again, according to the prince of the power of the air. The word air there is the word atmosphere. Now, think about this. Are there times you've woken up with a bad mood? In a bad mood? At times you've woken up and just, it's just a divide, it's just wrong. Okay? Everything just seems wrong. Uh, wrong atmosphere. You come to church and, you know, somehow the, everywhere is tight. You know, praise and worship, everything's just. Uh, you know, things happen like that. You, you just go to the office, you go to work, and everything seems upside down. Okay, what's going on? The prince of the power of the air. Satan is able to cause mood swings by virtue of, I mean, maybe you might not realize in Nigeria. In America here, when it's winter time, people are different. When it's cold, when it's warm, people are different. People have a different attitude when it's cold. When it's warmer, people get more cheerful, more friendly. So Satan is able to, literally speaking, manipulate the atmosphere, manipulate the atmosphere, manipulate it. He's able to speak sometimes thoughts into your, into your ear, speak some thoughts, able to plant some things around to make you feel like it's going to be a bad day or whatever it is. You know, just some things, just go on. And ultimately, that's all that is designed to make you feel, to make you have a losing attitude, to make you have an attitude of where am I not going to make it? This might not work out today. And that's Satan's intention. And listen, as long as you live in this world, material earth, the world will keep trying. Satan will keep trying. As long as you are physically here, Satan will keep trying. Look, look, look at Ma Matthew, uh, uh, look at John 16. Matthew 16, verse 19, sorry. Matthew 16, 19. Matthew 16, 19. Look at it, please. Matthew 16, 19. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. Okay. No, that's a Matthew. I'm sorry. I keep saying Matthew. John 16, 33. I, I'm mixing up scriptures. <laughs> I give you keys. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead of myself. John 16, 33. John 16, 33. Jesus, John to the 16, verse 33. Jesus said, in this world, let me, let me, let me put it in the, uh, let me, okay, good. This things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. Notice that. In me, you have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer overcome the world. So it tells you that in me, you have peace. In me, you have peace. But it said, in the world, you have tribulation. That's why you are in this material earth, the world system is going to try and put pressure. Tribulation means pressure. It means pressure on you. But it says, in me, you have peace. It tells, you, it tells us what to do. I've spoken these words unto you. I'm already giving you the answer now how to cultivate a winning attitude. It says, this is what I've spoken unto you. So cultivating a winning attitude has to do with understanding that he has delivered me out of the power of darkness. Colossians 1, 
He has, he has, he has, he has destroyed the power of the enemy over me. Hebrews chapter two. We just saw that he has destroyed the power of the enemy over me. Okay, it, it's understanding that. Number one, is understand that he has also spoken words to us. He has spoken words to us. Okay, in, in Matthew 16, let, let's finish this. I'll go to Matthew 16, verse 19. Okay, here. I've spoken unto you that in me you have peace. See, so now when we begin to, when I begin to listen to, when I begin to pay attention to the words of Jesus, of course, words of Paul, words of Peter, the scriptures, the New Testament, when I begin to look at them without the words of Jesus, okay, even in the Old Testament, when I begin to look at them, guess what, I, get what happens? When I begin to focus on them, peace comes. And I've spoken unto you that in me, you have peace. So when I listen to what it says, when I pay attention to what it says, despite the tribulation around me, guess what I was going to have? I'm cultivating peace. I'm planting peace. I'm planting peace. I'm planting peace. In me, you have peace. I said, be, I said after again, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He now goes further that not only must you listen to my words, not only must you, if I say, understand what I've done for you, but he said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Then you see the overcoming of the world. Be of good cheer. That means have an attitude of rejoicing. Have an attitude of rejoicing. That means literally go against the grain. The world is saying things are getting bad. The world is saying things are getting hopeless. The world is saying things are getting tougher. But you are listening to the words of Jesus. You are going from just listening, you're just going from just having peace to having joy. And that joy, remember what the word says, joy of the Lord is my strength. That joy, that becomes your victory. Okay? That joy becomes a victory. Remember, also look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. We're still going to go to Matthew 16. But look at, you look with me here to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I could quote it to you, but I want you to look at it. It's Bible study. Don't forget, if you have questions, please write them down somewhere. I'm going to stop shortly so we can deal with any questions anybody will have before uh, I hand over to Pastor Paul. Now, it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, King James looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> he authors our faith and the finisher of our faith. Now, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. This is, have I spoken unto you? Have I spoken unto you? So when I'm going through, or if I'm going through situations, okay, because I'm in the material world here, uh, material earth here, sorry, and the world is putting pressure on me, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's family, whatever it is that is putting pressure on me, I go to the words of Jesus. Why? Those words are words of faith. They're words of faith. Okay? Now, when I go to the words of Jesus, what am I doing? I begin the process of faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher, but I do that looking unto him. What am I looking unto? I'm looking unto the Father. He has finished. He has, uh, he has overcome for me. I'm looking up to the Father. He has destroyed the enemy for me. I keep that in mind. I look at his words. Okay? I look at his words. I meditate. That's what it means to meditate. Of course, it means to think about. It means to also mutter. It means to speak the same to yourself. It's also the same word as confession. In the, I don't want to go to the Greek and Hebrew, but it's also the word confession. Looking unto Jesus means keeping your gaze on him. Looking unto Jesus. Have I spoken unto you? So the words of Jesus become what I see. Remember, Habakkuk chapter 2 says, I will stand upon my watch and see what he will say to me. And see what he will say to me. I will see what he will say to me. So when he said, the, you look, when he said in, in, John, in John 16, he said, have I spoken unto you? When he speaks unto me, here's what I'm doing. I begin to think about them. 
when I begin to think about them, they become pictures. They become what I see. They become what I see. The more I look at what he's saying, the more I fix my gaze on Jesus by looking at his word, the more I begin to see, the more peace comes on the inside of me. The more peace comes on the inside of me. And also, I'm saying it. I told you, looking onto Jesus also means saying it. If I'm, let's get practical. If I see a black car, what do I say? I say that's a black car. I see a black car. You see, I see a black car. So when I'm looking onto Jesus, okay, when I'm fixing on my eyes, my focus on Jesus, in the midst of pressure, I begin to say what I'm seeing. I'm going to say what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Jesus. So you see, that's that. That is my confession. Let me get practical. I have no money in my account. Things are looking difficult. I have some financial challenges. Okay, I'm under pressure. The world is putting pressure on me. I have some bills, do I have things I need to do. Okay, what do I do? Jesus said, this is have I spoken unto you. So what do I do? I go into the word of God. I go into the scriptures. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say through Apostle Paul? What did he say through David? What did he say through Daniel? What did he say through Abraham? What did he say through Moses? What did he say through? I begin to look at those things. I remember he has overcome. So I'm not looking for words of failure. I'm looking for words of overcoming. What did he say? So when I begin to look at what Jesus said in the word, and guess what? The more I'm looking at them, the more I now start speaking the same words. When I start speaking those same words, get what I'm doing? I'm starting, I'm activating the process of faith. He is the author and the finisher. He is the author of, remember I told you, we are cultivating. So cultivate means to plant. When you plant a seed, you got to water it. Okay? When you water it, you got to weed it. You got to fertilize it. Okay, what is within it? I make sure that I don't say nothing negative. I make sure I don't keep negative people around me. I don't allow negativity around me. Yes, it's the prince of the power of the air. Okay, yes, it's the one that's going to cause your family member, your friend, people around you to say some things to try and create negativity. But I got to make sure, I got to make sure I weed out those things. Let me give you a good example. When Jairus was told Jesus in Mark four, uh, chapter 5, sorry, let's go to my daughter, come to my house, so you lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. As we're going along the way, they told him the daughter is dead. Okay? Mark chapter 5. When he gets home, the people began to mock and laugh at Jesus. Jesus chased them away. He closed the door. You have to sometimes, if you want to cultivate a victorious winning attitude and experience that victory, you got to weed out the wrong people. You got to weed them out. Sometimes, I don't mean rudely, you gotta, you know, with respect and we tell, oh, thank you so much, okay, but this is what the word of God says. And you keep your focus on Jesus. Okay, just like you're planting something, you plant it, you know, this seed is my mango. This word of God is the seed of God. This word of God is my victorious word. This word of God is my healing, my prosperity, my peace, my husband, my wife, my whatever it is that you're going through, challenge you're going through, I plant it. And I focus on Jesus. I focus on the words he's speaking. I'm saying what is I'm saying what I'm seeing in the word. I'm planting. I'm cultivating. I'm cultivating. He's the author and the finisher. What's the finisher of my faith? Well, what I what I'm believing for. Well, what I what what's that seed I planted, what I wanted, what is in my hand. But until then, I'm seeing Jesus. I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm confessing. I'm speaking the words of Jesus. I'm not looking at my circumstance. I'm not looking at what the world is trying to put pressure on me on the outside. Rather, I'm looking at what Jesus said in the Word. Okay, now go back to Hebrews 2. It says that, what this, he gave us an example. Look at this example now. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
and is set down at the right of the of, right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' plan was the ultimate intention was to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. But there's a process he went through. Since for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. To endure means to get harder, to get hard. Okay. Then it says despising the shame. That means he shrugged the shame. He did not allow the circumstances around him to 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 affect him. Okay. To get harder. That means that, listen to me, the enemy is trying to blow at you, but you are getting stronger in God. You're getting harder in God. You're getting harder in God. You're getting harder in God. You're not allowing the circumstances around you to influence you. You're getting strong in God. Despising the shame. Literally just say, please, God is on the throne. God is working this out. You push aside shame. So shame is not the issue. And the Bible says, and it's now set on the throne of God. You see, it goes from author, and to the finish of our faith. So he gave us that same example in the scriptures. Now look, look at Mark, Mark chapter 16. Mark, oh, sorry, I said Mark, sorry. Matthew 16. Look at verse 19. Matthew 16. Verse 19. We're talking about cultivating a winning attitude. A winning, a victorious attitude. We win attitude. Same thing if you want to call it that. Uh, actually, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Glory to God. Verse 19. Matthew chapter 16. And verse 19, look at it. What it says here, it says, And I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So look at that scripture. Jesus is saying to you and I, we have the keys. That means that no matter what's around you, no matter what's going around you, you are the key. You have the keys. And those keys, I'm telling you today, they are in your attitude. Those keys are in your heart. And in your mouth, that's where the key is. It's your heart and it's your mouth. Your heart is a place of your meditation. Your heart is a place of your meditation, your contemplation, looking unto Jesus. And then when you're looking unto Jesus, you are speaking what you're seeing. You're speaking what you're seeing. And then that's, you see, it's, it's like that. you've planted that seed, you're watering it. You water that seed with the word of God, with the word from your mouth. When you water that seed, the way you water that which you're believing God for, the water that thing that is contrary to what you're seeing is with your mouth. It's with your mouth. It's you speaking. Look at John chapter 3, verse 35. John chapter 3, verse 35. Look at it. John 3, 35. I'm about to finish. Amen. If you have questions, please make sure you have them uh, documented because we're about to, about to stop. Okay. Look, look, look at 34, rather. Look at 34. John 3, 34. It says there, for whom, for he, whom God has sent, speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Okay, Jesus said in John 20, as a father sent me, John 20, 21, as father sent me, so send I you. So the Bible here says, he whom God has sent, speaks, speaketh or speaks the words of God. The word speaketh means speaks. It means speaks. So who is the sent one? You are not the sent one, apart from Jesus. We are to speak the word of God continually. It says, because of for this reason, God does not give the Spirit by measure unto him. God does not limit the work of the Spirit to the person who speaks. Satan wants to look at circumstances. Satan wants us to look at situations. Satan wants us to look and feel defeated. If you look at circumstances like, like, like Peter looking at the winds and the waves, you will be defeated. But Peter was supposed to be looking out to Jesus. Okay, remember that, that, that story? Where Peter was, Jesus, Jesus was walking on water, and Peter said, "Lord, if it be thou, bid me come." Jesus said, "Come." So Peter began to walk on the words of Jesus, a winning attitude. 
Peter was walking towards Jesus. He had planted the seed of faith by starting to walk based on what Jesus said. He began to walk based on that towards Jesus. The next thing, Peter began to look at the winds and the waves. And then he began to sink. Satan wants you and I to look at the tribulation. Wants to look at the circumstances. Look at how things seem hopeless. And when you look at things seem hopeless, you start sinking. But what did Peter do? He said, Master, 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 you know, help me. Jesus said, come up. Help. Jesus spoke to him again. He took him by hand and he got up again and they walked back to the boat together. Okay, so perhaps maybe I've spoken some things. Maybe I've maybe I've looked at the winds and waves and started getting afraid and speaking about the winds and the waves. Okay, when I stayed in faith, I stayed in faith, I started believing God, I started excited, but I began to look at the winds and the waves. I've allowed the world system to start catching up with me. Look at what happened to Peter. Peter called out to Jesus, and Jesus said, Okay, hey, come up. And Peter began to come up and he walked on water again back with Jesus. Say, God wants you and I to cultivate, to cultivate, no matter what the circumstance is. God wants you and I, this principle I'm teaching you today is one that works across the board. It's not just only for what you might call spiritual things. It's for whatever you're going through. Okay, okay. Now, now, now before, we, before we finish up, let's look at this, just a few more scriptures before we finish up. Um, Romans 8.37. Romans 8.37. There are two more scriptures. Romans 8, 7. And now, am I saying it's going to be easy? No. No. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Let's, let's say that. But the Bible says I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. Pastor, I, I, I was about to quote it. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. It's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Ghost is your strength, he's your neighbor, he's your helper. Amen. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. This is why he's there. So, in the natural, Okay, if it, in the natural, things will look tougher. It will look challenging. But then, when you now begin to understand, I've got the helper. I've got the strength. I've got the Holy Ghost. Okay, here's what happens. His strength now becomes there. One way can cultivate the strength of the Holy Spirit is by praying in tongues. It's by consciously praying in tongues. So if I, apart, of course, we speak, we're talking about speaking the word, of course, but constantly speaking in tongues. When I speak in tongues, I get conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, when I speak in tongues, I'm conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I speak God's word, of course, the angels are working, all that is going on. When I talk in tongues, when I speak in tongues, I'm conscious that the helper is here. Holy Spirit with me. I'm not alone. He's here. Okay, now look at Romans 8, 837. Romans 8, verse 37. I'm about done. The next two or three minutes, I'm going to be done. If you have questions, please make sure you have it ready. Romans 8. Romans 8, uh, let me let me let me start from 36. Good. Let me start from 36. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It says, For thy sake we're killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, in all these things, it didn't say. Apart from these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principality, nor past, present things to come, nor height nor death, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But it tells us that we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. How do you become experiential? more than conquerors. That's what I'm talking about today. Understanding. God loves me. Understanding. Christ has paid the price. You know, for my victory, for everything I need, he has paid the price for it. 
but then all those are accomplished spiritually understand of course the holy spirit is with me he's my helper he's my strengthener okay he's my advocate he's there to see me through okay i understand i'm more than a conqueror i understand that i am born to reign i'm born to dominate i understand that but then there are things around me what do i do now i now begin to look unto jesus through the scriptures what he has said in the word when i look at those things i now start speaking them when i start speaking them several things begin to happen okay the angels of god are dispatched angels of god they hearken onto the voice of, of god's word angels of god begin to move to get things done i'm planting seed i'm watering the seed with my words i'm watering the seed okay and also i now begin to weed out weed out things fear and doubt the more i look at god's word the more i get stronger and convinced i endure i get harder and stronger okay the more i do the more i can despise the shame the more i'm looking victorious eyes the more i'm excited okay the, the more i'm excited i'm rejoicing in god intentionally because i'm seeing the word of god and then here's what happens i go from having problems to having solutions and testimonies and i cultivate it every time i set the process in motion every time and it's a cycle of victory a cycle of victory and guess what I get used to being victorious. And that attitude becomes a constant for me. I get used to being victorious. So whenever the challenge comes, I can laugh at the challenge. <laughs> not because it's not, not because it's easy naturally, but because I'm a winning attitude. And I won before, I'm going to win again. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I trust it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. We've got about five minutes or so. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask before I hand over to Pastor Paul. If you have any questions, you can put it up on the screen. 